Howdy, howdy, howdy. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Across the Board with Kobe Corradino. So today on our show, we're going to be hearing from photographer, videographer, speaker, actor, and owner of Flashbang Productions. I myself am super excited to hear about his experiences and get some insight from him regarding the topics we're going to be discussing today, which reminds me, these topics and questions were actually sent in by you, the audience. So if you have some questions or topics you want to hear discussed on this show, please don't be shy. Slide in my DMs. Not in that way. Just go ahead and text me a question, a topic you'd like to hear discussed on this podcast, and I'll make sure to answer it. So without further ado, Cody Dedon. All right. Well, welcome to the show, Cody. How are you doing today? I am doing wonderful. Thank you for having me on. Yes, thank you for coming. So for everybody listening out there, my name is Kobe Corradino, and I'm your host. With our guest today is Cody Dedon, so don't be confused by our names. So uh, Cody and I actually worked at a camp a few summers ago where we were we were speech coaches. And so correct me if I'm wrong, Cody, but people confused our names quite a lot, didn't they? It was it was quite a thing, yes, because there was definitely times when I would hear people talking about you and think they were talking about me, and I'm sure vice versa. So it was it was quite a venture. So all right, so we have a lot to cover today, actually. Really quick, just give us a snapshot. Tell us who Cody is. Sure. In a nutshell, uh, I'm just a guy who really, really loves life and really cares about people, and I like to kind of express that in everything that I do. So I would say the main thing that I do is I co-run a film and photo production company that produces creative content in those genres uh, nationally and also around the world. That's awesome. What's the name of that? Flashbang Productions. Flashbang Productions. Now, what is there a story behind that name? Yes, there is. I picked it when I was about 13, and that was the reason. <laughs> that, that, so it, was just, it just popped up in your head one day? You woke up, and you're like, ah, oh, I like that name. So it was kind of that thing where like, I, I had a couple of my little buddies, and we were always talking about like different production company names. Like, What would sound cool? I remember Blingfish Productions was in the Blingfish? Movie. Blingfish. That one was never utilized, but I do remember that one. Close seconds. Yeah, right. Right. Um, I think the first thing that I ever made, we just randomly came up with Yo Baby Productions, which we can all thank the good Lord that that one uh, went on down the river. These are uh, cool names, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, somehow I landed on Flashbang Productions. I just liked it. Um, I don't, I honestly really don't know why I like it. I think I just thought it sounded cool. It's and very so, unique. I like it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's unique and it's memorable. And so because I picked it so long ago, like I've thought about changing it over the years. And every time I talk to my family and friends about changing it, they're like, no, dude, you've been using that forever. And like mm -hmm. you came up with it when you were young and so like, you should keep it. So now I'm keeping it and, um, I like it a lot. All right. So you own your own film company. I want you to tell me the story, everybody who's listening is tell me the story behind that. What motivated you, how you got started, the good, the bad, the ugly. We want to hear it all. Sure. As much as you can condense it. Absolutely. I will I will give you the the cliff notes in a nutshell. Version. All right. Cody's cliff um, notes. <laughs> exactly. It'll be perfect. So here we go. So I will say this. From a very, very young age, I have definitely always felt like there was something that I should be doing with my life. I didn't always know what that was, but I was always very driven towards it, even during the years that I really didn't feel like I knew what it was. So I think I first started kind of realizing the genre of what that passion was when I started doing speech and debate in high school mm -hmm. in CFCA, which I know you competed in as well. Mm -hmm. um, which is which I think I think you qualify as a celebrity guest, to be honest. <laughs> 
Oh, well, thank you. From your career in NCFCA. <laughs> I appreciate that. I suppose maybe a small amount of fame in a small homeschool organization. <laughs> Definitely within, <laughs> yes, of course. I like it. Well, thank you. I'm I'm honored and honored to be here. <laughs> Basically, when I realized that, so for context, um, for those listening who don't know what it is, NCFCA is a national speech and debate organization where you compete in speaking basically so think mm -hmm. like baseball tournaments but for public speaking yes um so yeah basically a big nerd um <laughs> so I, think the, it. I think the long and short of it is that when i realized that i could win awards for speaking that was pretty exciting to me because speaking was definitely something that i had always done way too much of so your mom was like you know you're talking too much we gotta put it to some good use to to punctuate that exact thing that you just said actually when my mother got pregnant with my little sister, she had a nightmare that she was born from the womb speaking. That was <laughs> really <laughs> yes. So that was uh, that was how much I had apparently traumatized my mother with oh my how much God. I spoke. So, anyways, I definitely started like finding my groove in NCFCA, and I I just loved it. I loved speaking. I mm -hmm. loved entertaining. I loved sharing stories and playing characters and and everything that goes along with that. And that was, I will say, one of the first things that I ever did where I really felt fulfilled in doing that as far as just, you know, like what I do as a person. From that point on, I pretty much decided that I wanted to do something in the entertainment field. I just didn't know what. For a long time, I was like, I'm going to go and own my own theater or like I'm going to own a theater and have a one man show. And so like I had a lot of ideas and none of those things obviously ever really came to fruition. But um, eventually what I landed on was filmmaking because I'm like, you know what? It's kind of the best of, of all the worlds. Um, I get to do acting, I get to do storytelling, and I get to do it in a medium where a large amount of people could potentially see it, which um, was very appealing to me because I love stories that have impact. So, so what all, was, what was like, was there a learning curve? What was the most difficult obstacle to learning how to use the cameras? And how'd you get into that? Sure. So basically, I had started just filming random stuff probably when I was about 13 or so. All right. I had borrowed my neighbor's camcorder, and we made a film called The Russian Princess, which was as The glorious Russian as Princess. The Russian Princess. Um, so that was a garbage can fire, but it definitely was... <laughs> was the first step on my filmmaking journey and I just I liked it I don't know why I just liked it I was like man this is cool I started just making lots of short films and stuff and just learning with literally I, like basically at that point the only piece of gear I had was literally my neighbor's borrowed camcorder and so that was my first ever introduction to actually trying to make a film mm -hmm. and then from that point on over the years I just started experimenting with different cameras and then when did I did your neighbor ever get the camcorder back I think, if I recall correctly, this is what happened. I broke one of them because oh. I was well because I was filming um, a beautiful trilogy that oh, me and my oh. friend had come up with called The Last Yuka Ninja. So we were on the third installment of The Last Yuka Ninja, which okay. was loosely inspired by The Last Samurai, the Tom okay. Cruise movie. So except tensions were high. Tensions were high. Uh, it was a training sequence in which the last Yuka Ninja, who was me with a black towel over my head and a slit over my eyes, playing a ukulele, because he was a Yuka Ninja. Um, oh, Yuka Ninja. Oh, I get it now. Okay. The Yuka Ninja, right? And so he was the last of his kind, shockingly, and he had to train mm. a predecessor. And so during one of our training scenes, 
I fell out of our house because we our house had burned up, and so we were okay. using it as a set, but it was raised because we like live in the south. Okay. And so it was like four or five feet off the ground. So I accidentally stepped onto a piece of debris that couldn't support me, fell out the house, destroyed the camera. So either way, the camera got destroyed. <laughs> but but we all have our cameras back. Neighbor got got a camera, whether it was his or not. But hey, hey he, it got he got, he got he got one of them back. <laughs> definitely. It got you to where you are today. It did. And so from that point on, I just kind of started getting more gear, experimenting with better gear. And then every few years, I would spend all of my money and update my gear. I would get new cameras, new mm -hmm. lenses. I would get different audio equipment. I would get, like, uh, you know, things that help you, like, do camera movement and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting because when I look back, you don't really know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I look back at a lot of the things that I was doing back then, and it's like I didn't even know the questions to ask to even get to the point where I am now because it's just – I think the thing about filmmaking as a whole is it's not rocket science. It's just that there's a lot of simple things to learn. So basically, though, I got out of NCFCA. I had won their short film contest, which got me some interest locally where I live, which I live in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. A reporter came out and wrote an article on me because I had wow. done like a faith-based film. And so I got into our little paper, which was cool. And then from that, this is where the story gets really weird. My mother, like 30 years ago, lived next door to the guy and his wife who started pretty much like the largest studio, definitely in Baton Rouge, probably in Louisiana. It's called Celtic Studios. And so when she saw the article, she was like, oh, I didn't even know Cody was interested in filmmaking. So she got me an interview with a guy named Patrick Mulhern, who ran the studio. And from that, I got an internship on a feature film, which was being produced by one of the guys who had made God's Not Dead. And from mm -hmm. that point on, I started working in the film industry on feature films for the next four years, at which point I actually started my own company. And this all stemmed from you doing what you loved in the beginning. You film in the US internationally. I saw one of them was a documentary in India. Do you want to tell us a bit about that experience? Yes, that was that was quite cool. So there's an organization called One Life to Love, and what they do is they take in basically people that have been abandoned mm -hmm. um, in New Delhi, India. So for a little context there, um, there are definitely some big social issues um, facing India today that have gone on for a very long time but are still present. And basically what it boils down to is there are kind of subgenres of people who, for whatever reason, the society doesn't really see as having value. So those would be specifically children born with special needs and widows. Those types of people there are very much ostracized, thrown out, neglected, abused, killed even in that society. And they're really just very misunderstood in a lot of ways. So what this organization does, One Life to Love, is they have started a home where they take in and really give those people a life and just instill a sense of value and worth into them. Mm -hmm. um, we had a mutual connection with the lady that started the organization, and we knew that they needed some promotional material. So my dad actually funded us to go over there and make a documentary for them. Um, and it was really cool. So we yeah. made a documentary and it's really, really beautiful. And it's actually, it's on our um, 
YouTube, YouTube channel. Yeah, so if you go to Flashbang on YouTube, uh, Flashbang Productions on YouTube, it's there, and it's uh, it's it's really beautiful. It's about 20 minutes long. So mm-hmm. Yeah, so everyone, if you can listen to this podcast, which is 20 minutes long, you can go watch that video. It's 20 minutes long. Go ahead and watch that. And anyone who meets Cody, just automatically, your, your presence, Cody, I got to tell you, from the moment I met you, I just I just started smiling. Like, man, this is a this is a fun, this is a happy guy. I want to know this guy. And, you know, we're friends today. And I remember you you told me this story one time. I don't know if you want to tell it, but it was when you were on the set of The Magnificent Seven and you <laughs> met Star-Lord, Chris Pratt. And I really want everyone to know this story. I had a feeling this was going to come up. I knew in my soul. <laughs> it's my favorite story of all time to hear from Cody Deedon. Well, I would be delighted to tell it. So I kind of have this thing where when I meet famous people, I just blow it in a very spectacular fashion. So I was, we, would, we would expect nothing less. Exactly, exactly. And that, that's the thing about me. I'm a pretty intense person. So usually whatever I do, it's big, whether it's good or bad. <laughs> but no, that's a good thing in all things, you know, whatever you do, especially when you're going in with this film company and the people you meet, you go all in. And I love that. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, it definitely has led to some interesting stories. Um, and so I'll, I'll tell this one. So I was working on the remake of the Magnificent Seven movie, which, uh, as some of you know, starred Denzel Washington and Chris Pratt and a bunch of other famous people and was directed by Antoine Fuqua. I don't know if that's how you say his name. <laughs> Anyways, uh, it actually ironically filmed 20 minutes from like where I grew up. And so I was like really excited to get an opportunity to work on this, even though my job was basically picking up garbage all day okay Take so you can get. It, it was it was a wonderful job so it was the middle of august in south louisiana extremely hot i think there was one day a guy was walking around with a heat gun and he shot the ground with it and it was like it was like 117 degrees like, it was ridiculous wow. okay ridiculously hot so i had developed this method because i had picked up so much garbage that i had i was trying to make it more convenient you know so i had developed this thing where i would sling a garbage bag over my shoulder and i would use with my left hand and with my right hand i would toss garbage into it and so i was kind of like I, I called it garbage santa like i would walk around garbage, garbage santa with my with my trash bag full of man, stuff. I love it. yo yo baby yuka ninja garbage Santa man. You could these sound like Pokemon. There's 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 a lot of good content here. <laughs> I love it. So anyways, one day I, I was walking by and Chris Pratt was sitting under his little tent. He was like, "Hey man, is that garbage you have over your shoulder?" And I was like, "Yes, it is." He was like, "Well, here I have this bottle for you." And I was like, "Well, thank you. I appreciate you actually putting it in the trash." And the reason I said that was because our department had put trash cans out everywhere and literally nobody used it. And so I was like, thank you, Chris, for putting this, your trash in the garbage. I said, and then I said, would you like to see me do my impersonation of the rest of the crew when it pertains to garbage? And he was like, sure. So I set my bag down and I reached in and I grabbed two fistfuls of garbage. And then I kind of like danced around like a leprechaun while I laughed hysterically and I threw garbage in the air. I thought that was really funny. Chris Pratt, not only did he not laugh, he literally didn't smile. There was so little movement on his face. It, it was almost like he was dead for that moment. <laughs> and that was the end of the conversation. Oh, it's like I oh, everyone has been blessed by that story today. Because I remember the first time you, you did it, you acted it out. And it was a hundred and thousand times better than this but hey it was it's an incredible story i love it are we gonna see you in jurassic world part four guardians of the galaxy three or well, throwing trash around 
We're working on that. I'm, what I'm really waiting for is to see that joke in a movie with him performing it. And I'm going to be like, I knew you liked it. I knew you liked it. He was like, it is mine. He goes, this is good content. I can't let him right, know, though. Right, right. He was jealous. <laughs> dang, why didn't I think of that? Like, Dang it. <laughs> this very niche joke is perfect for every film. That's perfect. People have been sending in questions for this podcast that I'm super stoked about. But I'm, I'm only going to ask you two I want to talk about. First one, how can you work without a degree? pretty point blank question. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, definitely. So I actually didn't go to college. So there was a lot of debate um, in my own mind amongst my family members mm-hmm. and my friends, as you can imagine, because that's not a very traditional path, especially for me already doing filmmaking. I was already kind of had a lot of people being like, Cody's like, like kind of low key, like Cody's an idiot. You know? Oh, no, really? <laughs> well, okay, not not to that extent. But but it's kind of that thing where it's like, there were a lot of people that had genuine concerns, you mm. know, because obviously it is a very different path. Of course, and it's a very difficult industry. Right, a very difficult industry. You know, I, I think I think people kind of look at it like like a lot of people would look at like the music industry, like a very similar thing. It's a creative industry. There's not really a very discernible right or wrong way to go about pursuing that. And so like there's just a lot of uncertainty, you know, like there's a lot of involved in thinking that you're going to do something like that and it succeed. So I decided that I was like, you know what? I was like, I feel like God's given me creativity and I feel like I can learn the technical stuff on the job if I can get my foot in the door. So what I started doing was I started offering my services for free to people. So I ended up getting some name of some producers that lived in my area and I would just email them and be like, hey, my name's Cody. Like, here's a film that I've made. I love filmmaking. I will get you coffee. I will do Mm -hmm. anything. We'll mop your bathroom floor, like anything you need me to do, I will be there tomorrow and I will do it for free. And if there's one thing that a lot of people can't say no to, it's free labor. Of so course. I actually got my foot in the door pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, I was able to show myself, you know, a good workman and mm-hmm. people wanted me to do things for them. And so people started paying me to do stuff and growing from there. And mm-hmm. after a while, I had enough experience to kind of go off and do my own thing. Um, which was obviously start my own company. And it definitely has been an adventure. But I also think that, I mean, I, mean, I don't really think there's a right or wrong way to do any, I mean, save like being a doctor or a dentist, like, please of go course. to school. Yeah. Like, please go, like, please go to Hi, school. I would like to remove your molars for free. This is right. teeth. I have some, you know, right over here. But I, I, I 100% agree with you. And I'm a huge advocate for what you just said. Let's say you're in high school, you're wanting to pursue whatever it is, go and do it. Go find somebody who has succeeded in that and work for them, intern for them, ask them to mentor you and give them something of value in return. So that at that point, when you graduate high school and you're ready to go out into the world, you have A, experience, and B, you know people that have succeeded in that industry. And if I may add one little thing to that, I I think that one thing, this is one thing that's really important that I personally definitely live my life by, and I definitely encourage other people to live their life by. You know, I, I think that, God gives us all things that like we just kind of innately desire to do. Like for me, mm-hmm. like it took me a long time to figure it out, but like I truly believe the only thing that, that I feel like I'm supposed to do with my life is filmmaking. You know, mm-hmm. if you have something that you love doing and that you are most passionate about, pursue it. And here's why, because if you go out and do something, maybe it's more stable, maybe it's more of a sure thing, but you don't love it, then like you're really not going to be super happy and you're mm-hmm. probably going to make a very big impact. But even if the path that you're choosing to follow is harder, if you love that thing more than anything else, I'm telling you, I truly believe that you have a high 
uh, a high likelihood of succeeding because if you love it the most, you're going to be the best at it. And second question, last question of today. How, and I like, I actually really like this question. I thought it was really appropriate to ask you, how can you overcome creative block? I want to hear from you, Cody. How do you do that? Because you're a creative guy. <laughs> well, thank you. Do you ever have creative block? I don't even know. You're like, what All the time. Yeah, no, creative block, I definitely, I feel like if I met someone without creative block, I'd be like, are you human? Do you believe? <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, creative block has definitely been something that I have, that I have hit several times. I distinctly mm-hmm. remember one time I was, I was so blocked up that I was actually trying to write a screenplay about boredom. It is the boringest thing. <laughs> I went back and looked at it the other day. It literally starts with a shot of a faucet dripping. I think that there's something to be said about trying to do things in a way that you've never seen before. I think that's mm-hmm. a very powerful creative tool. But I also think that feeding yourself with highly creative inspirational things is really mm-hmm. helpful as well. So like for me, as simple as this sounds, I literally have a YouTube playlist of things that interest me and I just go mm-hmm. and watch weird videos. Like I watch videos on ancient lost civilizations and like just anything, like even if it's like weird terrible, animals. Yeah, weird. I love weird animals. I love just like like little known facts of history. Like I like I I, I go and watch stuff about how like there was this army that like accidentally attacked itself one time. Horrible, but also like kind of ironic and funny. Anyways, so like like anything that interests me, I go and just watch and immerse mm-hmm. myself in that, and usually that starts sparking interest. And that can unlock certain things in your head you didn't know were there. Certainly, certainly. So that it helps. That, that's the biggest one for me, honestly. Mm-hmm. In a sense, in videos and whatever you do, especially in content creation, go do what you like because then people can actually see a passion behind that and want to get on board with you. Because if you go ahead and do something that everybody else is trying to do, you're not, you're not going to get anywhere because you're not doing what you love. But the organicness behind of doing what you actually are passionate about, it's going to propel you into success. And so kind of what you said about doing you know, things that interest you or watching them. I think so too. I, I do. I think you're right on the money with all of that. I love all of everything that you just said. Definitely. So, so overcome creative block. I think the simplest answer to that is just be very simple. Think about what you love, what you're passionate about and do it. Simple as that. Simple I as agree. That. And I think that the most inspiration too always comes from the things that you actually care about. Cause like anytime I'm like talking to someone about any sort of creative project that they're doing and they're looking for ideas, I always tell them, find the thing that you love the most and do that. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't love it, then your audience, like if you don't love it, you're trying to get yeah. love it. That literally makes no sense. Like mm-hmm. you need to love it the most so that you can get them to love it too. All right. So we're winding down, but we're, we're definitely over the time, but whatever. Hey, we got a lot to talk about. I loved it. It was all great. Is there anything we can be looking forward to flashbang productions? You have anything in the works you want to tell us about really fast? Yes. Um, so we're actually developing about 20 short films right now. Wow. Uh, yes. So we have a lot in the works. So, so just, just real quick. So my older sister, Mikkel kind of runs the business side of things and is also right. very creative musically. My brother-in-law works for us doing filming. And then obviously like I kind of head to film department. Okay. So anyways, so we're going to be releasing a lot of stuff on our YouTube channel soon. So basically what we're going to be releasing is comedic short films, which is definitely very near and dear to my heart. And oh, yes. They are Highly creative, very unique, and very fun. So one that uh, the one that will be coming up the soonest is called The Brotherhood of Butchers, which okay. is going to be real fun. And it is basically a mock action movie trailer in which they give away absolutely everything about the movie. And it is hilarious. I am so stoked for this. So go to our YouTube account, uh, Flashbang Productions, and subscribe there because we'll be dropping lots of new shorts very soon. I have no idea what it's about. Now I do, so I'm even more excited to see it. Thank you so much, Cody. Thank you.
And that is it for today's episode of Across the Board with Kobe Cordino. Go ahead and follow the Instagram account, Across the Board with Kobe C, for more updates on this podcast. If you like it, please go ahead and share it with a friend, and I would love to hear more questions from you guys. All right, see y'all next week. 